Welcome to Pigskins and Pageantry, a podcast dedicated to all things SEC football. My name is Wes, and I'd like to invite you to join me, Jesse, and Matt each week as we discuss last week's games, news from around the league, make predictions for the upcoming games, and much, much more. Um, did you hear that? Uh, because I believe I can hear Knoxville all the way down here. Um, we'll talk about why very soon. What's happening, everybody? Um, just stepping outside of my shoes as a Georgia fan and the inherent nerves that kind of come with that this week. Like, what a time to be alive as a college football fan in general, right? So, like, not one, but two divisional slugfests in one weekend. Uh, this time of year is always insane around the SEC, and we're here for it, right? Right now, uh, we welcome a fan of one of those teams in the West. And just to be clear, it's not LSU. Uh, welcome, Jesse. Uh, how's it going? You know, I'm feeling good. It's been a restful bye week, uh, something that was so needed, you know, to calm the emotions, just to make me feel better. Had a lovely Halloween. So I'm here for it. Uh, and and we'll get to next week. But for now, we're enjoying the rest. And happy late birthday, Nick Saban. Yes. 71 never looked so good. On uh, on Halloween, nonetheless. Um, and uh, Matt, so um, conventional fandom says we're supposed to hate each other this week, but I'm not taking the bait. I'm not I'm not doing it, my friend. Um, I just uh, hope. I just hope both of our teams have fun. No, I'm just kidding. Um, fun. <laughs> seriously, man, how's it going? Um, I'm going to go ahead and warn everybody. You may want to take your headphones out. You may want to turn the dial down. Things are about to get a little loud. We're number one, baby! Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! Feels like 98! <laughs> um, there, I got that out of the way. Uh, oh, wait. Uh, here's one more for you. Um, okay, I'm done now. I can go back to being neurotic and worried and stressed, so... There's that. Uh, aside from the inherent nerves about this weekend, um, I'm good. I uh, like you said, we, me and you will not hate each other, Wes. It does not matter. It's not going to Our happen. friendship goes deeper than fandom. Uh, I, I don't hate uh, my friends that are reasonable UGA fans. Um, <laughs> so I can let it slide for a week. For those it's who are not reasonable, the hate runs deep. Oh, oh, listen, there is a deep well of hatred, vitriol, and all sorts of other descriptors of just... I'm, I'm not even going to lie. You two are like the only two from the Tennessee and UGA fandom that I actually enjoy as people. Well, I, I love it because like, you know exactly who, who people are talking about. Like you have the people who are the reasonable yes. fans that you can get along with, but then everybody, you you know that person in your head right off the bat. Person? Wh- whatever. Just <laughs> one? People. Yeah, well, no. I, I was allowing that person, this fictitious person to, you know, fill many uh, uh, people's roles, whatever. Anyway, we're getting off track already. Are, so. sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, let's, uh, great. yeah, no, it's, it's that time of year. Um, let's uh, talk about some of the games from last week. Always remember, if you ain't first, you're last. All right, let's talk about uh, Arkansas at Auburn. Uh, Arkansas winning this one 42 or 41 to 27 uh, Matt getting the point in this one um, Arkansas only led 17 13 at halftime but uh, really poured it on obviously in the second half um, not going to belabor this one um, Arkansas winning getting back to winning football uh, and then Auburn kind of doing what they've been doing lately uh, Jesse what are your takeaways 
Yeah. My two takeaways just focus on Auburn for the most part. I mean, we look at the score and you kind of see what Arkansas was able to do, but the first one is there were just no second half adjustments. Auburn once again, just folded in the second half after having a somewhat promising and competitive first half, and then didn't come out and do anything. Arkansas did almost every, you know, everything in the second half. And, um, it, it just looked like the Tigers were not controlling the line of scrimmage and they lost energy and the Razorbacks outscored Auburn 24 to 14 in the second half. Uh, so that's not a shock. It shouldn't be a shock to tiger fans. It shouldn't be a shock to anybody in the sec. And then my second one is just, if you look at where Auburn was this time last year and where they are this year, it's what we talk about regression. There's so much mm-hmm. regression from last season to this season, a season ago, it was Auburn who actually controlled both, you know, lines of scrimmage on defense and, and on offense. And it was them who were scoring in the second half, running the ball effectively. And they didn't do that this time. The team is almost a shell of what they were. And I know we'll get into it in the news section, but now kids are transferring at a very high volume. And it looks like uh, there's going to be a lot of turmoil down on the plains. For sure. Um, Matt, your takeaways for this one? I, I thought that this game would be a little bit closer than it was. I feel like both these teams were pretty evenly matched. But like Jesse said, when you out, get outscored that much in the second half, it's kind of hard to win a football game. Um, I think the talent-wise, both these teams are somewhat close. Um, but I think it came down to coaching. And, you know, we know Sam Pittman knows the X's and O's. Uh, mm-hmm. He's taken uh, a seller-dweller team that is the Razorbacks, and he's got them up to – um, up to a level where they're able to compete and able to um, make some noise. And I, I think this is one of those situations where, you know, Harson finally got his number called and this, and I, and I think I said it last week, I said, if this game turns into a route and Auburn doesn't, it isn't able to like call the mail for this one, we may see Harson packing up the view hall before the weekend's over. And granted they waited till Monday, but you know, yeah. it happened. So he had more of a, a trick than a treat Halloween. Yeah, it was, pretty, it was pretty rough. And I, I don't think he's uh, um, not I don't think he's going to play nice on the way out completely either, because I don't know yeah. if you guys saw the the uh, statement he released a couple hours ago, but we'll I'll, I'll bring it back up when we get to the new segment. But yeah, uh, good win for the Razorbacks. But man, it is tough sledding down in Auburn right now. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll certainly get into that, but I can't, I couldn't agree more. Uh, my, my takeaways on this one, uh, KJ Jefferson is a absolute beast. I was even texting you guys during the game. I saw him just take that guy and just literally throw him into the ground. All the gritty, way to the gritty, end zone. gritty. And I was like, yeah, he's, he's just built different. Um, it was a great play too. Guy had a full shot on him and KJ just went, no, sir. And just kept, well, no, sir. Whatever. <laughs> and I can't do picking right now, but he just kept on trucking. It was a great play. Oh, for sure. Um, and then, um, so I, I, I hesitate to say this, and I'm not saying this like with absolute oomph, but I, I do believe that Robbie Ashford is starting to show some maturity. I mean, he's getting some experience. Um, mm-hmm. We saw him uh, make some really, uh, really good plays out there, uh, some good decisions. So I think for him, uh, he's getting a little bit more confidence and uh, and that will will go far for him. And so uh, we'll see how he continues to develop, to develop um, as a, uh, as things continue to evolve there. Um, Stat-wise, he looked pretty good. I mean, he, he threw did. for 285 and he rushed for 87. So, and I taking mean, care of the football. a bad day. Yeah, That's important. So, I mean, He was a hopeful, bright spot in that game for Auburn. I mean, if anything, that's the one guy that you look at and you're like, all right, well, he's good. 
Right. And then um, to your point, Jesse, about control controlling the line of scrimmage, this game really reminded me of the Georgia Auburn game where mm-hmm. it was slow in the start, but in the end, Arkansas just wearing them down in the line of scrimmage and eventually just dominating the line of scrimmage uh, in the, in the game. And, you know, that can definitely happen when you're a team like Auburn who is uh, struggling with an offensive identity. Um, so, uh, you know, cause I mean, obviously when you're not helping your defense out, eventually they're going to get uh, winded and uh, it's just kind of a slow progression. So anyway, yeah. Uh, more news to follow uh, for Auburn. Um, let's uh, let's go ahead and move to Florida against Georgia, uh, Georgia winning this one 42 to 20. Um, I got the point in this one. Um, so the summary of the game, uh, Georgia got off to a, a really fast start uh, defense making stops. Uh, Anthony Richardson, um, I, I guess you could say he was hampered by that hit. I mean, he, he definitely took a difficult or um, a hard hit at the beginning of the game and looked like he was in some pain. Now, how much did that affect him? I can't really say. When he scrambled, he looked to be effective. I just wonder how how much of that was part of the game plan, too, was try to make him um, be more of a pocket passer. I don't, I don't really know. All I'm saying is when he scrambled, he looked okay. Um, the dogs led 28 to 3 at half. And if you're from the state of Georgia, that score will always make you nervous. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but, uh, you know, true to form, Florida came out in the second half uh, with a methodical drive to score. Uh, then Amari Bernie uh, had a forced fumble, which resulted in a field goal. Then he had an interception. And right after that, uh, they got an immediate touchdown uh, due mostly to a bad angle uh, taken by Georgia secondary. I think he was trying to jump the route and he just came up a little bit too far there. Um, that made it 28 to 20. Uh, Matt, you were texting the same man. This game's a snooze fest. And then uh, right after that, I was like, really? <laughs> it's 20, it 28, 20 right now. It was dull as I'll <laughs> get out until that point. Um, yeah. But then all of a sudden it's a game again. Uh, Georgia did respond with a, a methodical drive of their own to make it uh, 35 to 20 at the end of the third. And then the fourth quarter really kind of belonged to Georgia, though, uh, as the offensive line really kind of took charge. We started seeing uh, larger chunks of yards on uh, rushes and things like that, starting to take command of the game. So, and they were able to drain the clock uh, to close the game out. So, um, what are your guys' takeaways? Just whoever, jump in. I mean, my first one is just that there's turnover troubles. I think we've seen it in a couple games when it comes to Georgia, but uh, that's when they get really vulnerable is when they stop taking care of the football, which is an obvious, no, you know, no duh, no brainer right there. But, you know, when they played Kent state, it was the same sort of thing. They lost a turnover battle three to one. Um, and that was a very underwhelming win to a, a lower tier opponent. And then in their 26 to 22 win against Mizzou, which was a pretty hyped game, uh, when you're watching it, they need a fourth quarter rally to avoid that loss. And, and part of that was losing the turnover battle because it was two to zero in the turnover battle. And then, you know, same sort of thing here is the turnovers really started to cost them and give life to the Gators in the third quarter. And you just can't have that. Uh, the McIntosh fumble on the Georgia 27 led to a Florida field goal. Like you mentioned on the next possession, Bennett was intercepted, which led to a 78 yard touchdown pass from Richardson to Xavier Henderson, three plays later. So Georgia was able to kind of close out the game with a big bang, but you have to look at it when Georgia does not take care of the football, they make themselves very vulnerable and they have to watch that going into tougher sec opponents, especially going into this week. My second one is penalty calls. So 
Florida was penalized seven times for 53 yards compared to just four penalties, totaling 40 yards on Georgia. And the Gators entered the game tied for number 10 nationally with the fewest penalty yards per game. And, you know, a few calls that went against UF had a particularly large impact on the game. Georgia tight end Lad McConkey appeared to kind of push a defender off on a critical 30-yard completion that uh, that set up the Georgia final touchdown before halftime. And instead of uh, Jason Marshall from Florida, you know, he got called for pass interference there. So ultimately, Georgia was able to avoid a lot of penalties, which, you know, is one of their strengths in the SEC. They are, you know, I think ranked number five nationally with U.S. penalties per game. Uh, and, and that's huge. You know, we've talked about it a lot in other teams, but when you're able to avoid getting penalties, you're able to, to really maximize your opportunities with, with the football. So my big two turnovers and penalties. Matt. I, like I said, I thought this was going to be a little bit of a snooze fest and then Ford tried to make a game of it. Um, I, uh, I'm a little shocked at how, lopsided this rivalry has become as of late according to the stat i looked up earlier um bulldogs have won five in a row and 10 out of the last 12 in the series um so this is this is a rivalry that that needs a little bit of a shot in the arm you know florida's gone through the tumultuous back and forth with the mullins stuff a couple of years ago um and now with or excuse me last year and now with uh is it napier is that his name mm-hmm. i'm blanking on the name um so florida's gonna have to start making some moves in order to get back up to the same level as UGA. This used to be a game where Georgia was never really favored um, mm-hmm. uh, for, or it was always a 50 <laughs> shot, but here as of late, it's been all Georgia all the time. And I'm kind of curious how that's going to look going forward. Um, Cause like I've said, I'll stand by the statement Napier in my book is Butch Jones version 2.0. Um, I don't see. And I've, I've said that multiple times. I know. I'm not convinced he's the guy. Um, I will be shocked if he does turn Florida into something. I hope he doesn't, but if he does, then we'll see how it goes. The other big thing that kind of stuck out for me, uh, in this game was I wasn't super impressed with Stetson Bennett. Um, you know, he throws for 300 plus, but he's 19 for 38 with two TDs and two interceptions against, and let's be frank here, Florida's defense isn't exactly the greatest on the planet. Um, and I think that's a little worrisome, especially going into the, uh, Tennessee game when when Tennessee's off defenses looked considerably better over the last couple of weeks and we'll talk about Tennessee's uh, game against Kentucky in a second but um, it's just I think that's a point of worry I know that um, you know UGA has Brock Bowers and he's been kind of carrying the uh, load so to speak mm-hmm. uh, um, not to diminish what any other offensive players have done but uh, Georgia's 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 got some holes some things that they need to work on I love that Stetson Bennett is older than like three starting NFL quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. He just turned 25 for those that don't know it. And like literally a day or two before the game. And he's older than what is it? Jalen Hurts to a tongue by Loa and Trevor. Oh, Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. Several yeah, and, of them. And, yeah. and Hooker's also 24 and some change. It's yeah. wild. He's, he's, it's what happens when you get six years of eligibility. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, why, yeah, why would you ever leave? You're getting paid. To, well, you're not getting paid, but well, sort you're of. A, you're well, getting, yeah, well, you can now. You're getting a free education, and you can make a little scratch on the side. I mean, why yeah. wouldn't you stay all six, seven, eight years? Lots of people go to college for seven years. They're called I mean, doctors. usually, the usually they come years. out with like doctorates, but yeah, yeah. yes, so, Doc, Doctor Stetson Bennett. That's it. 
Um, so uh, Napier, um, I think he's a little bit more likable than Butch Jones. I think we can give him that. I don't know. Yes. Um, so far, he seems to be. Um, and to your point about the uh, winning streak and uh, Georgia, if you if you're a Georgia fan and you lived through um, playing Spurrier. Um, no win streak is long enough. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. anyway, um, so uh, real quick takeaways here for me. Uh, poor Marcus Rosemi Jack Saint for Georgia. Like a couple of weeks ago, I heard him referred to as Rosemi Saint Jack like multiple times on SEC, on SEC Network. And then this week, Gary is calling him Rosemary Saint uh, Jack Saint. And um, <laughs> retire, Gary. Bail out. You're done, you horse's ass. And I, I, I get it. It's not exactly a conventional name, but it's just funny to just hear it just consistently mispronounced week in and week out. Quite literally his job to get it correct. He did something the other day. Quite literally. He, he did that during the Tennessee Bama game where he butchered somebody's name. I can't remember who it was. But. Probably multiple. I mean, yeah. I've done sports broadcasting and I at least know to look at the paper before you say the kid's name. <laughs> It ain't that right. hard. Look at the paper and you know your assignment before you even get to town. Right. Yeah. Just review. Right. Just- that's that's literally the only game that they do. And one yeah. a week. <laughs> Most colleges, when they give you a roster, there's a pronunciation guide on yes. the roster. Yes. Well, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's that. He's too. got no excuses. It's because Gary. Mm, mm. <laughs> well, he's, Gary. he's literally he's he's seen that. Um, Georgia's defense, like you said, um, can't afford to take plays off against Tennessee like they did against Florida. We saw that mm-hmm. multiple times. Um, now I'm not saying they didn't play well, but there are some games when you can take zero plays off and, and get away with it. Um, Stetson Bennett got a little careless with a few throws. You guys have already said that. Um, just uh, agreeing. Um, I will say, though, with um, with his throws, there was about three passes where he hit dudes between the numbers and they just straight up dropped it. Yeah. So I think his stat line could have been a, a lot better. Um, and, and those weren't short passes either. I'm, I'm talking like deep balls that were like perfect balls that they they dropped. Um, anyway, so um, it is a little bit of a concern, um, but um, obviously uh, we're going to have to to prepare hard this week. So. Um, let's go ahead and get into uh, Missouri at South Carolina. Uh, Mizzou, mercy. I know, right? Mizzou won this one 23 to 10. Nobody got the point because um, we all, you know, this was one of those they, they lulled us to sleep, right? So this was the, uh, the Mayor's Cup, as it has become known uh, since both of these schools are located in their respective Columbia's. Um, oh, and uh, I guess that makes sense. sense. Okay. Yes. So, um, battle of the beer burger, stupid. It's not, but the, the apparently, apparently there is a tangible trophy. Which, as Eli Drinkwit said, give us a tangible trophy, and the guys will play hard. So apparently, that's what it takes. I don't know. Um, Maybe it should, <laughs> they should play hard every day. I don't know. You, you would think, right? That's Dr- no, no, like no. An odd no drinky, drinky has to have his little his little things that he likes to throw out that. Are so yeah. cliche. He's a we big, need a trophy. Yeah, like, he's a big up, tchotchke drinking. guy. Big tchotchke guy. Oh my god. Yes. I bet his office is covered in tchotchkes. Oh, you know it. He um, goes yard sailing on Saturdays. A he, thousand. I guarantee percent. you, he oh. has a big sign in the back of his office that says "Live, Laugh, Love." I guarantee it. <laughs> he got it from it. someone's garage sale. I promise. I guarantee you. it. I, I completely believe that. Um, um, in this game, Mizzou got off to a fast start, leading seventeen to seven at half. And obviously that basically pretty much continued throughout the second half. 
Uh, not a lot of changes there. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, uh, one of South Carolina's biggest player playmakers who we've talked about on this show before, um, especially last week, uh, went down with an injury in this one. It appears to be a thigh bruise, though, and Shane Beamer says he should be fine. So Carolina fans uh, can kind of rest a little bit easier in that. So um, what kind of takeaways do you guys have uh, for this one? Matt, I'll let you go first. I... um. I had a feeling that Carolina was going to have a little bit of a letdown after their big win last week. And I was right. And this is exactly what I thought was going to happen. I thought that they would find a way to win this ball game because Missouri is not that great, but I guess the Gamecocks are going to do what they're going to do. Um, I, I don't even know where to start to try and pull this thing apart. This was not a pretty game at all. Um, uh, I'm still trying to figure out what in the world anybody ever saw about in Spencer Rattler. Um, you know, cat goes 20 for 30 for 171 and an INT. So eh, not that great. Um, just not a fun game to watch. Gamecocks had barely over 200 yards offense. I mean, just, eh. <laughs> um, it's just one of those things where you're just like, why did we rank them? Because they beat somebody. Okay, fine. But oh, I knew the I knew the minute that game was over last week. I was like, you better watch out because they're going to have a hangover game next week. And sure enough, they, Oh boy, they were hung over all right. 100%. Jesse? Yeah, I mean, I said it last week. Like, the one thing about Mizzou is their defense is okay. And, like, I'm not going to say good. I'm going to say okay because they beat South Carolina. But they came into the week ranked 27th defensively. Um, and, you know, they just allowed a total of 186 yards and just 32 yards on the ground. So, the Gamecocks 32 yards on the ground are the fewest allowed by Missouri in a conference game since the same South Carolina Gamecocks rushed for 16, yes, 1-6 yards against Mizzou back in 2019. Before that, though, you have to go all the way back to 2009 for the last time the Tigers allowed fewer than 40 rushing yards in a conference game. So the defense helps out Mizzou significantly in comparison to their offense. Cause it's not like really great. Um, and my second thing is, I know we talked about it, but like maybe South Carolina does not cruise to a bowl game. Maybe they don't go in racking up some wins into Gainesville. I don't know, but all of the good things that the Gamecocks had from last week, you know, on offense and defense and their four game winning streak they kind of went up in smoke. Um, so they're going to really have to get right with the Lord before uh, they play Vanderbilt, which no one should have to say that. At no point should I have to say you need to get right before Vanderbilt. But here we are, because after that, it's Florida, Tennessee, and Clemson. And a woof. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And, and uh, Matt, you were talking about how they were going to struggle with, with success. I think they experienced some of that rat poison and, you know, um, Ooh, you want to know what South Carolina fans are saying though, just for what's that? tea for everybody. Yeah, please. Um, they're really pissed off about play calling on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, roll, roll mad. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess getting 200 Uh-oh. yards of offense will do that to you. 
Um, uh-oh. and, and I, I feel that spiritually <laughs> as a Bama fan. Oh, yeah. They're, they're certainly not used to the uh, pats on the back. That was going to have to be, that was going to be something to deal with anyway. Um, I'm not, I'm, I don't know how much that, uh, influenced the game, but certainly it's something that they're, they're not used to. Um, the announcers were even talking about this, how and South Carolina was very much aided in the past few weeks by getting off to a fast start. A kickoff yeah. return for a touchdown against AM, fumble recovery and a touchdown mm-hmm. against Kentucky. Um, this game, not so much. Uh, uh, they got off to a slow start uh, and never really got rolling, obviously, looking at that stat line. And as you mentioned, Spencer Rattler is struggling. Um, his struggles continue. I, I just um, I agree. It is wild to, to see to think about where he was like a, a, a legit. What Heisman year contender. is he? Is he uh, Rattler? I think he's a. Uh... I don't remember. Of course, you know, I guess everybody get, uh, got an extra year, wait, right? But, wait uh, one. I'll look. But as far as like his degree goes. He's, I thought he's a junior. Maybe not. Maybe he, he is a senior. He may be close to getting. He's a junior. So he's, probably, he's Spencer, probably close to graduating. Spencer, bring it in, baby. Um, I would suggest whatever your degree is in, I would suggest finishing it. Let's go for, you know, play for four, stay for four. Um Let's finish that one out though. And, and maybe try to get an internship or something within that career field, because I just don't know that the NFL is for you. Okay. Um, Jesse, I've, I've got some not so great news. What's the major? Um, what is it? What's the Based degree? on what I'm seeing uh, on the South Carolina website, his degree is in interrelated studies. I don't even know what that means kind of a catch-all um interrelated if there studies. is someone that runs an interrelated studies company maybe reach out to him given an exactly him an internship this this summer um i feel like he will need it yes remember spencer uh life is about more than just football and with that a bunch of people just turned this podcast off um <laughs> maybe he has a minor like a really good minor Maybe. I mean, I, gosh, I hope so. Yeah, If you're in your junior year, you got to be, you know, getting there somewhat, even if you just make something up, you can't just be general studies, you know? So I've never heard of that degree. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's if I remember correctly, that's the, that's the major that everyone who's just kind of playing sports See, yeah, it Bama, sounds like the old school general studies. Yeah. They're all communications or like, sports nutrition majors like that's the two yeah all right well let's move to kentucky at tennessee um tennessee winning this one 44 to (laughs) 6 matt getting the point um i I really don't have a summary for this because it was an absolute blowout I, i mean i mean you can look at the scoreboard yourself look at the 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 total yards tennessee 422 kentucky only 205 um yeah, Kentucky turning over the ball three times. Um, yeah, I'm embarrassed for Kentucky. Uh, Matt, you're, I know you're ready to talk about this one. What do you got? Uh, I, I honestly don't have a whole lot to talk about because I kind of anticipated that Tennessee was going to take care of business in this game. I did not, however, anticipate them to pitch a shutout through three out of four quarters. Those are the black jerseys. Um, I, listen, oh, <laughs> dude, oh, the dark mode jerseys. And they I don't know if y'all good. saw the – I don't know if you saw the clip, but at the very beginning when they do the intro, they played like this weird, creepy, like distorted version of Rocky type Rocky top and flash the lights. Like it was really, really cool. Um, hmm. 
I, I kind of hope the black jerseys make an appearance at least once every year. I just feel like they're 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 neat. Um, Is that brand new? Great. They've had they've had black jerseys several times. That was the first time that they went all black. Because mm. um, I think last year they had a blackout game like that, but they didn't get due to supply chain issues. They didn't get the black helmets until mm. after the game. So they did white helmets. I think for that game. I don't. Recall. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember um, that. Yeah. I think I actually think it was the was the South Carolina game last year. I can't remember. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I was anticipating this game to be a little closer than it was. Um, I was expecting Will Levis to have a little bit better day than he did. And Will Levis got absolutely just demolished in this game. Um, 16 for 27 for 98 yards and three interceptions. Um, his draft stock had to have taken a serious, serious hit uh, based on that. Because again, uh, let's face facts here. This is a Tennessee team that is known for their offense, not their defense. Um, now, I will say the defense has improved since the Bama game. They have looked a lot better. Um, coaching is definitely coming to kick and key there. Um, but, man, Levis just was not able to get into a rhythm. They were putting a lot of pressure on him. I don't recall how many sacks there were in this game, but I think there were at least a couple of – there were definitely a lot of hurries. Um, yeah. And there mm-hmm. was – Definitely, uh, let's see, we had four sacks total in that la, game. La, la, la. So it was pretty bad for pretty bad day for the Kentucky offensive line. Um, and then the Tennessee offense doing what the Tennessee offense has done all season. Um, you know, Hinton Hooker goes off 19 for 25 for 245 yards and nine and three TDs. Um, no interceptions in this game. He's only thrown one on the whole season, and that was a little bit of a duck against Alabama. Um, Jabari small getting, uh, 50 plus yards, 78 yards in the game, not his best night out, but still pretty good. Um, Jalen Hyatt continuing to do Jalen Hyatt things. And I really legitimately think that the question should not be, is Tennessee going to win the Heisman this year? It should be which Tennessee player is going to win the Heisman this year because Jalen Hyatt's making a real big case. Um, to be a Heisman contender. I think he should get an invite to New York, same as Hendon Hooker. Hendon Hooker obviously is favored right now, but um, that offense is just potent on a different level. Uh, I was not anticipating them to do this to Kentucky, and they came out swinging. Um, Grand, a little bit of a slow start to start off, but then they put up 20 points in the second quarter, and then they really didn't let go after that. So good win for the Big Orange to get some momentum going into next week um, against Georgia, and I just – I'm, I, I don't have any complaints at this point. Josh Heupel could come to my house and kick my dog, and I'd be like, thank you, sir. Would you like to kick the other one? Uh, I'm kidding, of course, but you get the point. Metaphorically. Yeah, metaphorically. <laughs> Jesse, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, my one call out of this, uh, this game is, aside from the fact that it was boring, is uh, UK's offensive play calling was bad. I mean, if you're a Kentucky fan, I'd be pretty pissed off. Their offensive coordinator, Rich Scangarello. I hope I'm saying that right. It's a great name. Yeah, Scangarello. He had an extra time to scan the film, uh, an extra week to prepare uh, for one of the worst passing defenses. And it didn't look like he took that time at all. There were way too many first down run plays that finished with either right at the line of scrimmage or maybe a yard or two gain. That was it. UT's weakness on defense was its secondary and passing defense, but Will Levis threw for thir- or threw 13 times in the first half, 
And that can't happen. You've got to understand who you're playing and play to their weaknesses. And I mean, I get it. You're trying to run the clock, you know, down, you're trying to run your own tempo, choose some of that clock, but they weren't putting together long drives. It wasn't working. And then it's like, they came out in the second half and they were just gonna do the same thing. It was predictable offensively. Um, and by the time Will Levis finally threw the ball more, the result was, you know, already kind of set in stone for Tennessee and the Vols DBs were prepared for it. They knew that potentially coming in to the second half, that there was going to be some more throwing and they were very much prepared for it as seen by those two very easy interceptions. So if I'm a Kentucky fan, I'm, I'm pretty frustrated as far as the offensive calling in that game, but Tennessee did what Tennessee is going to do this year, apparently. And I agree with Matt, Will Levis's tracks draft stock just went you shit big hit i think yeah well by, then- by the way something i want to ma- also mention too you know indication of how your offense doing is on third down efficiency and in this game kentucky was two for 13 on third down yeah i hate bad. to see it this is one of the worst losses bad. in the stoops era this is bad yeah. oh 100 yeah. agree with that one um, the the difference between these two offenses was set up in such a way where if Kentucky was not able to do their methodical driving as they wanted to do, this was going to get out of hand very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they just weren't able to get anything going, and obviously the defense didn't help them out. Um, uh, credit to Tennessee, though. Uh, they played out of their minds. Um, obviously, the offense, as you said, is going to do what we kind of have expected them to do, but the defense is what surprised me this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just were were just – going crazy and, and playing uh, incredible football on that side of the ball. Um, but uh, Kentucky is bad, y'all. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't understand what is going on. Um, Will Levis, as we said, didn't look like that, uh, that just a few weeks ago. Let's not forget, this was like three weeks ago. The uh, guys on, I think it was CBS or whatever it was, were saying how much of a, a top NFL recruit he was. Like, he was like top five and possibly the top quarterback to go in the NFL uh, draft no <clears throat> and yeah, not looking not to be the so case right fast, now, my friend. Um, but it was just so telling uh, Mark Stoops is just absolutely defeated in the press conference afterwards. He basically, he was just saying, we knew exactly what they wanted to do, what they were going to do. And we couldn't do anything about it. And yeah. it's just like, got to be the most helpless, helpless feeling. Um, I mean, cause just- it's, it's different, right? If you lose, and you put up a lot of points. Like, I know the outcome is still the same, but you're like, all right, we were able to affect them offensively, but they didn't affect them offensively or defensively. They lost on both sides of the ball. At least when you lose and you like are doing okay on one side, it's not that bad, but this hurts. And when you know exactly what they're going to do too, right? Yeah. You you know what they're going to do. You prep for it all week and you still can't stop them. So that's, that's where they were. So um, all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and move on to Ole Miss at Texas A&M. Ole Miss winning this one 31-28. Uh, I got the point in this one. Really interesting storylines going on here. A&M starts yes. Connor Wigman at quarterback, who had a great game. I mean, he had yeah. 338 yards, uh, four touchdowns. Uh, best performance by an A&M quarterback this year. Um, that's encouraging. If you're an A&M fan, that's one of the few encouraging things going on right now. Uh, but they've lost four in a row, right, to drop to three and five. Uh, fans at Kyle field. I mean, God bless them. <laughs> they, they, they showed up and were actually, I mean, they were a factor in this game. I mean, it was close, a close game. 
unfortunately, or ultimately, uh, Ole Miss uh, pulled off the victory on the road. Uh, Quinshawn <coughs> Jenkins, who's just 19 years old, let's not forget, um, you know, rushed for 205 yards and a touchdown on 34 carries for Ole Miss. So, dude's on fire. What do you guys got? What's your takeaways? Dude, Jenkins is legit. Um, running, he's already looked like, I would say, and what a lot of people are saying, a future Heisman candidate. But, you know, forget about being in the future for, you know, a Heisman. But after Saturday, he really is the future for Ole Miss, I would say. He totaled a whopping 34 carries, like you mentioned, for 205 yards and a touchdown. And he was able to run over the Aggies um, who have had some trouble stopping. You know, they had some trouble in the game stopping quarterback Jackson Dart and fellow running back Zach Evans. And, you know, that essentially helps Ole Miss get to a win. My second one is for Ole Miss consistency to me still remains an issue. Their offense has slowed down in multiple games this year. We've continued to talk about it. And no lead is, is necessarily safe in the SEC. And you just can't, you can't let up. You have to play four quarters. And I don't feel like uh, Ole Miss has done that at all this year. They have not played a start to finish football game lights out. And that is not great. And it just shows how limited I think their offense is right now. So they are relying heavily on the run game. And that is interesting for, I think, an old um, Elaine Kiffin offense. And when it gets late in the games, sometimes they become predictable and a little easy to stop. So they've really got to play four quarters because that is not, this style of play is not going to get you through a very tough end of SEC schedule. Absolutely. Matt? Yeah, I, uh, you know, Ole Miss was my pick to win the SEC West. And after this performance, I'm just like, I don't know if we can really lean on Lane at this point. Um, this this should have been a, a, a little bit more of a margin. I think uh, Aggies almost came back on them there at the tail end. Um, it's just, just a question of, of what's going on. And like Jesse said, inconsistency is an issue. Um, there's a lot of up and down, up and down, up and down, especially over the last couple of games. Um, and it's a question of what does Lane got to do to get them playing consistently good? Um, and I think they were doing that at the tail end of last year. They had a couple of really solid games there uh, at the end of last year. And just the last couple of weeks, it's been a lot of up and down. And the problem is, is if you're down when somebody else is going up, it's going to cost you. And it may very well cost the Rebels before this uh, before the season's over. The other thing that popped out at me was um, Moose Muhammad, who we have not really talked much about him Um uh, this season, I was looking at his Another stats over the last SEC couple of games. Name? Uh, yeah, fantastic one. <laughs> uh, we, I think we talked about him a couple weeks ago when, when they played Mississippi State. Um, he's targeted eight times, or he had eight catches in this game for 112 yards, um, averaging 14 yards a catch, and he had a pretty good day. And I think that's someone that they're going to have to lean on going forward because um, you got to have that downfield threat. Uh, you look at any of the teams in the SEC that are winning ball games; they've got those downfield threats. Um, and I think that this is somebody that Jimbo's going to have to target a little bit more going forward. Um, so almost got him, but Ole Miss is going to have to fix uh, some of these issues going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the uh, takeaways I got, uh, A&M, whether, whether you A&M fans like it or not, you're stuck with Jimbo, I think. Uh, they, so right now, if they got rid of him, they owe him – 86 million dollars if they fired him right now 
That is the buyout right now. Um, oh, I don't know who to, Jimbo's to get fit, him to Jimbo leave. Fisher's agent is, but they, 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 they did. So I would be trying job. to get him to be my, as a, my agent right now. Oh, if you're gosh. a college kid, hire that that person. It's the um, oh man, it's the guy. I can't remember, it, but it's the guy who's like the agent for all the big name coaches, and he gets them. Yeah. Oh, anyway, like Saban's he, agent too. He's 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 really well known, and his name escapes me right now. Anyway, um, so eighty six million dollars if they fire him right now. Um, and if I understood the graphic right, the only one whose buyout is higher is Kirby, who's I think his <coughs> entire contract is like guaranteed right now. So it's like one hundred and two million was his. So um, yeah. Anyway, um, and then like I said earlier, uh, Wigman is the future at AM. I mean, like if you okay. watched him play. He just looks different than any quarterback they've had this year. So um, I think, um, you know, good things to to come from him. And you have to be encouraged. Uh, one of the few encouraging uh, moments uh, for AM fans has got to be uh, watching him play. Um, and then uh, Lane uh, had two zingers in the post-game interview on the field, as you guys uh, probably saw. Uh, first one was that he felt their offense did really well. Against all those five stars. Wow. Against all those five stars. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I love it. And then um, when asked if he what he was going to be for Halloween, he said, I don't know, maybe Jimbo's got a Joker outfit for me. Um, because uh, apparently in the offseason, I guess Jimbo said uh, he compared, uh, didn't he call Saban and Kiffin both? He said that they were yeah. clown acts or something like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, uh, you and know. And Lane, Lane came out. receipts now. Lane will <laughs> keep a receipt. Lane is like a millennial girl. He has <laughs> receipts. And he also came out and said, um, when somebody talks about you and your buddy, Nick Saban, and calls you guys like clowns, it was good to win this one. Yeah. So he and Nick have a common enemy, and that makes me really happy. And yeah, he's just, he's a grade A troll. And it's like, it's going to be subtle. It's going to be well, well worded. It's like, I think he probably like the day before he like rehearses these in the mirror. Like if this happens, <laughs> this is what I'm going to say. <laughs> That's brilliant. So, oh, um, yeah. I mean, if I ever get in some sort of like petty Twitter battle and I can get my own Twitter team, I'm drafting Lane Kiffin mm-hmm. for sure. No doubt. Oh man. Yes. Just, just give him the phone. I'm not tweeting. Absolutely. He, he's doing it all. <laughs> um. All right, so uh, that does it for last week's games. Current pick-up standings. Oh, by, by the yes. way, guys, I looked up who the agent for um, Jimbo is, and it's Jimmy Sexton is his name. Yep. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yep. He He's did, represented yeah. a bunch of people, including like Sam Darnold, Philip Rivers, Derrick Henry. He's yeah. he's also a University of Tennessee graduate. He was um, Reggie White's roommate in college. Oh wow. Oh. Fun fact. I just I just learned that too. So. Fun SEC fact. Jimmy, um, if you want to come on the show, you just, yeah, just let, let us know. know. Yeah. I don't think Jimmy's listening to the podcast. He might. He doesn't strike me as the type. He's, he's you know making stellar he's deals to... for for lots and lots of money. Apparently. I'll but, come on the show in two years, guys. But in order to do it, he's he's trying to stay in tune with grassroots stuff. He's you know he's got to stay in tune. You know. Anyway, um, all right, my current pick-up standings, uh, I've got 32, Matt's got 24, Jesse has 16. Again, lots to, left to be played, um, and then obviously the values go up as the uh, playoff games come and all that stuff, bowl games, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> all right, well, uh, let's go ahead and get into, uh, well, something we've, we've all been ready and excited to talk about, the news. Here's the news. <laughs> 
All right. So uh, before we get to the elephant in the room of the CFP rankings, let's talk about a few things that happened uh, recently. Auburn hires uh, Mississippi State's athletic director, John Cohen, to be their AD. Um, shortly thereafter, our, uh, Auburn says see ya to Brian, uh, Brian Harson. Um, Cadillac Williams announced as the interim head coach. Now, I know this has been a long time coming. We've all said Harson is a dead man walking. We knew this was coming. Um, but what I want to know from you guys is who do you think is the best fit for Auburn? Just jump in. Um, I would say personally, as a Bama fan, that's completely unbiased whatsoever about the state of Auburn. Um, I think Bill O'Brien would be just like a really lovely hire. I knew it. And and it's like a BOGO because it's Black Friday almost, probably. You can also get Pete Golding too. So like you get Bill O'Brien, we're gonna throw in Pete Golding, have Adam. I think that's a really great fit for the system that you're currently working that loses. Is that your real answer? <laughs> um, that's my I hope so answer. <laughs> I honestly don't know. I don't know who is a good fit at Auburn. I think everyone is touting and screaming from the hilltops that it's going to be Deion Sanders. Like, we know that, right? Everybody is saying it. Now, last week, and we know that coaches lie because, that you know. They don't want to give away anything before it happens, oh, yeah. but yeah, he was... I, I will be, I will be the coach for the Miami dolphins next year. Oh <laughs> no, you won't. You're going to Alabama there, bud. Um, but he said on game day that he had no intention. He loves what he's doing at, at Jackson state. He loves being able to coach and give the opportunity to athletes that would likely not have the opportunity at a D one school. And he loves coaching them as people as well as players, whatever, blah, 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 blah. We've all that's, heard it. That's all coach speak. It's yeah. It's all coach speak. I don't know. I, I truly don't. I think that's what they want. I'm sure they're going to throw a ton of money at him, but I also don't know Harson's buyout. Um, so it's a lot. Um, I, I read a stat the other day where between Harson and his predecessor, they're uh, paying about $54,000 a day and buyouts right now yeah auburn is oh. been a lot of money a lot of money they, he must have jimmy sexton as his agent <laughs> oh because they've also they've not just fired um harson they fired offensive coordinator eric kisaw kisaw yeah the, the um, purge has kind of started yeah down there. and the tight ends coach brad bettle so uh there's been Oh, and sorry, associate AD football chief of staff, Brad Lorando and director of recruiting Darren Usher. So there's a lot that's happening at Auburn. It's going to be a complete restaff. I wonder if they've already got somebody in the pipe. They probably would think with them hiring, just hiring an AD, surely they don't, but. I I don't know. I was going to ask you, what what do you think, Matt? Who who do you think is the best fit? I, I honestly don't know. I think if I'm Auburn, I'm giving, I'm probably calling Lane Kiffin. Um, and this would not be the first time that a Mississippi coach has left Mississippi to go to Auburn. Tommy Tuberville did the same thing in, uh, I think, 93 or 94. Not to mention that, you know, Lane would love to have to go against Saban across the state for in-state, right, or in-state uh, recruiting. Not to mention the fact that, um, you know, they're going to, back up Brinks truck for Lane because Lane took Ole Miss that hasn't done a whole lot and he's doing something with them. Um, another name that's been thrown around that's uh, also kind of 
a little controversial, is Mike Leach. Because let's remember that Auburn just hired Mississippi State's AD. Right. And he just hired Mike Leach a couple of years ago. So, mm-hmm. and, right. you know, we were, we were saying awful things about, we weren't saying awful things, but we were not so sure that the Leach experiment was going to work. But if you take Mike Leach and put him into a souped up engine kind of car that is Auburn football when it's clicking, it could work. Um, we may see Hugh Freeze come back to the SEC. They might finally bring him back. Um, I don't think they will, but that's a possibility. Um, I also saw another report that said Bobby Petrino's name is being floated out oh there as God, a possible no. replacement. If they do that, they're going to lose the entire fan base. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. But, um, you know, I, all I know is, is that for me, I don't want uh, any of our, our uh, assistant coaches taking that job. Um, they need to stay in Knoxville for at least three or four more years. So Maybe kinda, Matt Rule decides go. to come back to college. You know, he might. He that, might was another name. that was another um, name. I'm trying to think if there's any other NFL coaches that might come out of the woodwork. Um, That's the thing. It's tough to know. I think we've guys. pretty much said almost all of them. There might've been one or two other names that were, that were mentioned. In I mean, right now candidates. the top contenders are Deion Sanders and I've seen it. Urban Meyer. Yeah. Hugh Freeze, Jamie Chadwell from coastal Carolina. Who's their head coach, Matt rule and Lane Kiffin. Those are the top ones that are being thrown out right now. Matt Work. Campbell at Iowa State's also being looked at as well, from mm-hmm. what I've heard. Um, Todd Munkin, there you go, Wes. You might lose your offensive coordinator. Mm. There's also another name I've seen floated out there as well. Um, mm-hmm. There's been there's uh, there's so many angles they could take with this. I I personally think that Auburn's going to do everything they can to try to get Dion or Lane. I think they're going to try and bring one of those two in, yeah. but I don't know if they're going to be able to get them. Well, I that's it. I don't know if Dion's going to be willing to give up what he's built at Jackson state in order to yeah. get Auburn. That's the thing. And and the only thing I can think is just an insane amount of money might get him to, he doesn't to need leave money though. That, yeah. Making, and that's, he's been making multi millions of dollars since the nineties, like homeboy ain't hurting for money. Yeah. And he's getting all these uh, incredible athletes to come down there. Um, he, they got what the number one overall recruit in yeah. uh, last yeah. year's yeah. class. Um, and not to mention all these transfers coming from uh, other schools as well. So, I mean, get, he's getting all sorts of endorsements and stuff. He's doing app like commercials with Nick Saban, for God's sake. Yeah. He doesn't um, have Auburn, to go to a premier program to get. Money. Auburn, I do hear that OJ Simpson is out of prison. I don't know what the terms are for his <laughs> release, but <laughs> no, he's out of prison. Awful idea. Awful idea. Oh, man. No, uh, Urban Meyer is already the villain. It, you know, that would be perfect. Um, a perfect story. I don't I don't know who's the, the perfect fit for Auburn right now. It's but here's gonna another, be someone we don't know. It's gonna be like a Billy Napier hire where we're like, wait, what? Yeah, yeah I sure I hope I sure hope they make a splash with this with because because here's the thing. I personally, when I was a kid, I was always big into Auburn. Um, that was in the 90s when they were clicking along pretty well. Uh, you know, the tough yeah. years were, were decent. <laughs> I don't make that face. Um, so I, I, I hope it's a good hire. Because again, just like when we were talking about S, you know, any other SEC pro- program that's a premier program, the sport's better when these teams are up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel I, like Auburn's one of those programs that needs a solid, solid hire. So they're going to have to go get somebody, and they're going to have to be able to hit the ground running. Maybe they go get Coach Ogeron. You know, he, I, he wouldn't be his there. first tour in the SEC. 
I, I hope it's not uh, Mike Leach uh, because I want to like Mike Leach. And I feel like as long as he's at Mississippi State or a school like that, I can, you know, I can be okay with that. Yeah. But when he comes to Auburn and we have to play him every year and then he's, you know, uh, wearing those annoying Auburn colors and everything. Yeah, it's just. Uh, uh, can you imagine Mike Leach in Auburn colors? No, yeah, no, no. no. He, he doesn't fit the culture of Auburn. It just isn't. He really doesn't. I feel like Mississippi State is kind of perfect because he could yes. kind of make his own identity there and create his his weird pirate hybrid bulldog stuff over there. Hmm. Is Dan Mullen still looking for a job? I don't know. Uh, he's an analyst. Uh, I'm sure he, I'm so, sure that he wouldn't say no if they send him. A, they're a still paying call. Gus Malzahn, right? So like, why not just, so. just bring him on back? Bring him back. Yeah. He's. Yeah. I think you at UCF right now is six and one. They're not if bad. I, if I yeah. remember um, what their schedule, I looked at it the other day when the they were better under him than Harson. Because yeah. Harson has a lot of tea, and everybody hates him. And uh, Malzahn beat Bama like what three times? I yeah. think it was. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> that's crazy. Like he he struggled in a lot of other games, but he seemed to do yeah. okay against Bama, a lot better than a lot of other people. So, uh, yep. And we've already seen Derek Mason tweets about like things that oh, were said yeah. between Harson and Mason. Was we've good, seen. Um, I've seen a bunch of memes that's like. Brian Harson, it's like, what are you gonna do now that you're out of Auburn? And then it just like shows the woman that he was supposedly involved with. And who liked the know. tweet comparing him to saying that he was the worst uh, coach in Auburn history? Yeah, which is funny that a lot going on there. Guys. I mean, Gus Gus is 15 and six at UCF. Yeah, I don't see yeah. what you're already I, paying the man. Just bring him back. Yeah, you know I where know. his checks if, go. You if, have if to I was direct him, deposit. I'm, if I was him, I might be satisfied. I mean, he's getting paid a lot to be down there, and it's got to be less, way less pressure than uh, than Auburn. Yeah. I mean, not, UCF has got to expectations, I know, but it can't be the same, right? Um, but we but, can't say there's going to be one name that they will not go get. What is that? Butch Jones. <laughs> yes, Who could he's, say? he's still getting people coffee somewhere right now. I'm just, I don't know. No, he's um, he's actually the head coach at Arkansas. State. Head, yeah, because yeah, yeah, he's head coach. Yeah. yeah. Um, what um oh another fun question though is not just who do you think is the best fit who's, but who's, like who's one in five by the way <laughs> go ahead Wes, but who sorry. who wants the auburn job right now right i mean no after after what they did to harson after two years uh not even two years but um the thing with that is though i i think that was just kind of a perfect storm type of thing though we say that oh yeah he was going to be he was going to be gone but really the main cause behind that was i think because the AD, obviously the ad who hired him not there anymore um and then this new guy coming in they're going to want him to make his own hire and stuff like that so it just sort of makes sense i don't know that I mean, West... yes but also the frustrating thing with auburn is you look at last year they were able to almost put alabama out i mean yeah. almost and the last they five have, games were that for yeah, Auburn. They really. have the talent. That's the frustrating thing is they have the talent. And we talked about it when we were talking about the past games, they've regressed. Mm -hmm. You have talent coming in. It's a premier program. You're able to recruit. You're able to get really good talent. And then all of a sudden they just can't perform. That doesn't make sense. That's a coaching yeah. call. And yes, it's probably the coordinators to some extent, but as a head coach, you have to get your coordinators in check. And that's why they're just completely cleaning house. I don't blame yeah. the AD for going in and cleaning house because it's 
the program is not doing well. Yeah. Um, I think that's why they hired him is yeah. because they, they want uh, something fresh and, and obviously yep. they, obviously they're in need of an AD anyway, but I think yeah. it's just um, coincidental that um, he got fired this weekend. I don't think it's like they saw this last game and were like, oh, well, that was the last straw. No, I think they already knew. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah. let's get a new AD in here. And once he's here, then we can make some real decisions. So, yeah. Or they um, have somebody that they know is ready to go. I don't know. Yeah. They might already have somebody signed up and yeah. they're just waiting until later in the season to announce it. They, they do right. that kind of stuff all the time. Well, we do not have to wait any later for the first CFP rankings because they are here. So um, let's go through the top 10 and then, well, just the next position because the rest of them do not contain SEC teams. <laughs> so, um, so let's start with number one. Just go ahead and get that out of the way. The, the, the suspense will not be there. Um, number one, Tennessee. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Georgia. Number four, Clemson. Number five, Michigan. Number six, Alabama. Number seven, TCU. Number eight, Oregon. Number nine, USC. Number 10, LSU. And number 11, Ole Miss. And I'm dying to know what you guys think about this. <laughs> Clemson, get out of oh, the Oh, come top on. They're undefeated. Four. They're undefeated. They're undefeated. Neither does Georgia. You don't play. <laughs> A single, no, 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 no. And I, again, I live in the middle of Clemson territory. I argue with people on the daily. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Um, and LSU, I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just from the beginning of the season to now, I'm just very like, how did we get here? I mean, I know. I might, I, know. I might say I disagree. LSU at number ten. Like, I look. I get that they've made improvements. I just don't know number who, ten. But like, though? who would you put? Ten's pretty high. Ten's, Ten's pretty high. high. But who I would you like put? I feel like Ole Miss. I would have put before I, them. Yeah, Ole Miss. I I agree. I agree. I think Ole Miss should be up there too. That's fair. Um, um, but go ahead. I, I was just gonna say. Uh, first off, I'd like to say sorry to, uh, or best wishes to the folks in Columbus, Ohio, right now because there's a flood watch going on because there's everybody and their mother's crying right now because they thought they were going to be number one. And if you look on Twitter right now, they are hot. Really? Nick Tennessee is step. It's is because number one. Oh, they yeah. only State. have Listen, Ohio state. We know this. It's Ohio. Ohio state fans have been coming after Tennessee on ball Twitter nonstop since the Bama game. It has been nonstop. Ohio state fans are big mad that they're not the number one team right now. Um, I think the top four What is, is their reasoning. Like, the, why do they think they deserve their it? argument is that you can't go from being one of the worst teams in the SEC two years ago to being a top dog in the complete. I, just, there's all these arguments, the whole CJ Stroud for Heisman situation also is in the mix. There's just all this back and forth. I'm a Bama um, fan and I, I loathe Tennessee to the core of my being and they deserve to be number one over Ohio State. Come for me. I don't care. Yeah. I, I, I well, I'm going to agree with you. Um, I just hope this isn't the kiss of death. And we'll talk more about that in a minute when we talk about the Georgia game. I um, thought... For me, oh, I'm sorry, Wes. Go ahead. No, no, please finish. Well, I was just going to say, I'm okay with this top four. I don't know if I put Michigan behind Clemson. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't. I, I think that Michigan has a little bit more of a, a, a claim to be at five, at four than 
Clemson does. In fact, I would say one loss Alabama has a better claim to be above Clemson too. Um, And you know that Matt is speaking the truth because number one, he just mentioned Michigan and we know how he feels about Harbaugh. Uh, And number two, he said uh, Alabama, which again, as a Tennessee fan, we understand that. I can put aside the the orange tinted glasses for a moment to look analytically at it. Um, You know, this is a, uh, a Clemson team that's not played anybody. The ACC is historically low this year. Um, you don't have anybody in that conference aside from Wake Forest that's been making some noise and Syracuse. not anymore. But, well, <laughs> yeah, not yeah, anymore. Yeah, I forgot about that, but yeah, I don't see Clemson even undefeated. Clemson, I would take a one loss Oregon team before I take an undefeated Clemson. Yeah, also, how did Bo Nix and the Ducks get up there? Where it's because they've been lost, tearing it up since Georgia. Uh, Georgia. They've, been, they've been hurting people now. Yeah, they've been hurting people since that opening season loss to Georgia. I just I I can't get over uh, Clemson at four. Like uh, I think of of all of all the ones up top, that is the one that maybe shocked me the most. I get like the top three. You could probably you could almost just throw the top three in a bag and you know throw them around a little bit and and draw them out because I mean stuff's going to work itself out and you Mm -hmm. could argue that any of those teams could be up there. But Clemson, man, like I've seen them play this year and they just look awful. They've had the ugliest wins that I've seen this year. Now you could say that Georgia's had a few ugly wins as well, but I'm saying like on a repeated basis, we've seen Clemson just look bad and it's somehow the name recognition Kool-Aid. Yeah. I, I don't know. Gosh, I don't know who I would put. I guess I would slide Michigan up. Um, I, I guess, I don't know. I think I almost think I would knock Clemson down to, six maybe swap them with tcu at seven and then move michigan and bama both up i i don't i just don't get it um i don't know what people are watching when they uh, are looking at clemson but it's uh, also funny that that a one loss usc team's floating around back there too and i'm trying to figure out how in the world tcu is undefeated but then i remember they play in the big 12 and the big 12 is nobody this year so the Big um, 12 is such a big mystery, <laughs> more or less. True. I mean, it's they spend like most uh, of their time beating each other up. And yeah. Texas has been the only only team out of the Big 12 that's made any noise. I think Oklahoma's down this year. Texas is, yeah. uh, you know, they went toe to toe with Bama for a while. I think if El- uh, Elwer, is that their quarterback's name? I think if he doesn't get knocked out in that game, I think he beats Bama. But yeah, funny. you had uh, Kansas State and uh, uh, Oklahoma State, and, you know, they would. All these teams would would be on the rise, and then all of a sudden they just you know have a big loss or whatever. So yeah, they like you said they're beating each other up in the Big Twelve. So um, yeah, so that's the first CFP rankings. Um, I know that Rocky Top is hyped right now, um, no pun intended with Hypel, but um, I know they did talk to him afterwards um, after the selection show or the the ranking show, and uh, you know he's basically just talking to his guys and saying hey, no, no matter what, you know we'll just um, we're just going to continue business as usual. It's not going to, uh, and I know that's what the coach coaches are supposed to say, right? You, you gotta, you gotta say that, but, uh, we'll see, we'll see, um, how things Easier work out. Said than done. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into them. Let's go ahead and talk about the upcoming games. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to All right. Well, the first game of the day, we have Kentucky at five and three, two and three in the SEC at Missouri, four and four, two and three in the SEC. That's noon on the SEC network. Um, as we mentioned, uh, obviously, Kentucky coming off of a demoralizing loss, um, <clears throat> which is interesting. I, I think that we've kind of thought of Kentucky, especially as we've talked about them on this show, 
how they've kind of stepped into upper mid tier, maybe um, not top tier, but maybe a kind of upper mid. Uh, but one could argue that they're back to just mid mid tier, almost on the verge of maybe going to bottom tier at this point after the last performance. So uh, I don't know what uh, what are your predictions, Jesse? What do you got for this one? Yeah, I think Kentucky needs to really get it together. They've got to call better offensive plays. They have to look at their competition and figure out who they're playing. But oddly enough, even looking at just their records, these teams are, I hate to say it, pretty evenly matched at this point. So um, I'm going to pick Kentucky uh, by a very small margin, uh, picking the Wildcats 28 to 24. All right, Matt, what you got? Uh, I think this is going to be Kentucky's bounce back game. Um, this Kentucky team can go. They just had a really bad night against Tennessee. Um, and to be fair, they were fighting outside their weight limit a little bit, I think. Um, I think this is going to be Will Levis bouncing back and to get some of that <clears throat> NFL stock back a little bit to the, uh, this weekend. And although Vegas is only favoring the Cats by two, I think they beat that spread. So I'm going to take uh, Kentucky 33-14. I don't think Missouri is going to be able to keep up. All right. Um, so, yeah, so Mizzou's actually, <laughs> this is so weird to say, they've actually looked pretty decent in a few games this year, um, at, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like they've really kind of held their own the at times. Defense is okay. Yeah, defense is okay. That's the title of the episode. Defense is okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're, uh, they're at home, and I think Kentucky's reeling from that embarrassing loss. I got Mizzou winning this one 24-21. Uh, to 21. Um, all right. Uh, next is Florida. I did not, I did not see you picking Missouri West. I did not. See no. it. it pains me, but I, I, I don't know. I just got a feeling, um, Florida at four and four at, uh, one and four in the sec at Texas A&M three and five, one and four in the sec. That is noon on ESPN. Uh, Florida's lost two games in a row and A&M has lost a whopping four in a row. So both teams desperately trying to get back in the win column here. Um, so I assume we'll see Connor Wigman start again. I mean, that seems to be the logical thing. Um, Jesse, what is your prediction for Florida at AM? This is a tough one. I think if it were a night game in Kyle Field, I might pick it a little bit differently. But after the performance against Georgia, I think despite that it was a loss, that Florida is feeling a little bit encouraged. So I'm going to go with the Gators in another close one. And apparently I'm just choosing the score across the board, but picking the Gators 28 to 24. All right, Matt. Yeah, I um, I'm going to go ahead and break from what Jesse said. I think a And is going to win this ball game. Um, you know they 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 need a win, and I think Jimbo realizes they've got to get a conference win. And I think Florida is probably going to provide the best opportunity for that. So I'm going to go ahead and say a And M wins this thing, 28-21. All right. Um. Yeah, this is a game between two struggling teams. We already talked about that. I think Florida. I think Florida's got better players at some of the skill positions such as Richardson obviously I think he's he's uh pretty good uh but uh, let's not sell Wigman short as he continues on the job training <laughs> so to speak um A&M um has the most overall talent though I think um you know they got all those five stars so um I think they win an overall sloppy game I got uh, A&M winning this one 31 to 24. I like that pick, Wes. <clears throat> Thanks. All right. Um, next is uh, probably one of the biggest, probably the biggest game of the season, of the regular season. Uh, that is Tennessee, uh, 8-0, 4-0 in the SEC at Georgia, 8-0, 5-0 in the SEC. That is 3-30 on CBS. 
Um, one thing to note here um, that could be potentially big is Georgia found out, just found out one of their defensive leaders, edge rusher Nolan Smith is out for the rest of the season with the torn pectoral muscle suffered in the Florida game. Uh, timeline for his return amid the NFL draft process is still fluid. So obviously, as we mentioned before, um, life is about more than just football. So uh, hopefully he can get back to doing what he loves to do. And uh, it's not affected uh, long term by that. Um, <clears throat> let's kind of break down some of the numbers here. We've talked a lot about offense and defense. Uh, Tennessee is number one overall with 553 yards per game in the total offense. Uh, Georgia's number two overall, 530 yards per game. Yards per play, Tennessee is number three overall. And when, when I say overall, I mean in the country. Um, and at 7.4 yards per play, Georgia, number four overall at 7.24 yards per play. Total defense, Tennessee is number 82 overall at uh, 393.6 yards allowed per game. Georgia, number four overall at 262 yards allowed per game. Uh, scoring offense, Tennessee, number one. Once again, in an offensive stat, overall at 49.4 points per game. Georgia, number six overall at 41.8 points per game. Scoring defense, uh, Tennessee, number 26 overall at 21 points allowed per game. Georgia, number two overall at 10.5 points allowed per game. Look, I'm not going to continue, but you get the drift, right? Most of these stats mirror these similarities, uh, both of these teams being near the top of uh, offensive stats and Georgia with the edge on defensive stats. However, Georgia has not really played an offense like this yet this year. So with all those things in mind, Jesse, what is your prediction for this game? Dude, I don't even know. I just, mm -hmm. I just put in a prediction. Like I looked at all the notes earlier and I've been marinating on this and I'm so conflicted, but oh, this is the game of the world um for me as a Bama fan sorry not sorry yeah I am gonna pick the Vols and this is gonna be a close one and it may even go to OT honestly <clears throat> I'm picking the Vols 38 to 35 they win by a field goal it's in the last little bit this is gonna be a slug fest okay Matt what do you got my friend <laughs> Wes I'm 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 probably gonna trigger you when i say this um, triggered already um i am very nervous about this game um because one of two things is going to happen one tennessee is going to lay an egg which is what i'm automatically defaulting to in my brain and making <laughs> my peace with because that's what it's that's what life has been as a tennessee fan for the past 20 years i empathize tennessee laying an egg and not getting things done however i think that Tennessee has a chance as, as a legitimate chance to shock the world on this one. Um, if things work properly, if the defense is able to get a couple of critical stops, if Hannon Hooker and Jalen Hyatt and Jabari Small and all, all those guys are able to click along and execute and work like they're supposed to, I think this Georgia team can lose by two scores. Um, I want to point out that this is a Georgia team that has played exactly one ranked opponent all season long and that was Oregon in week one since then they've played Sanford South Carolina Kent State Missouri Auburn Vanderbilt and Florida none of those teams are good um the only one that's Midland would probably be Oregon uh and maybe Florida but we saw what happened with Florida so with that being said um I think Tennessee is going to come out early and they're going to score early and I think this is going to be a game where Georgia's offense is going to have to play catch up 
And I think that this is also going to be a situation where mistakes are going to happen. Turnovers are going to happen. And I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb here and say Tennessee wins this thing 42-28. All right. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think that stuff – I'd say they've definitely got more than just a chance. You said they got a chance. I think it's definitely more than that. Um, I think for, for Georgia, I think Tennessee being ranked number one is the absolute best thing that could have yeah, happened. That- that, yeah. that definitely doesn't help. <laughs> in, in terms of pumping them up. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, like we said, it's the biggest game for both of these teams. Um, I, you know, I, I feel you on the on the schedule. Obviously, the committee has made it known that they are not impressed with Georgia's resume so far. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, obviously, Tennessee is riding this high, hoping they've caught lightning in a bottle, much like the 2019 LSU team. Mm-hmm. Uh Georgia still is not going to get a home night game. I don't know why we can't get one of those. Um, CBS is insistent on keeping the three thirty slot for this one, which I just don't understand. But I mean, I guess thank goodness. I guess it's ultimately, prime time. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess ultimately, is they're still going to get a ridiculous number of viewers regardless. Um, so they don't really care from that standpoint, from a business standpoint. Um, Kirby, Coach Kirby Smart, who's typically quiet on Twitter, other than the occasional go dogs um, when a recruit commits to UGA. Um, tweeted the following on Sunday. He said, Saturday, we need Dog Nation to affect the game with two exclamation points. If you can talk when you leave, you didn't yell enough with two more exclamation points. So um, I think he understands what's at stake here with the loser having a much more difficult path to the playoff, if any path even exists. I think it's a little bit more difficult path for Georgia than Tennessee, just obviously judging by the committee rankings right now. Um, Tennessee, to their credit, the environment at Neyland has been just insane this year. Uh, it's incredible, and I think really has propelled them to some amazing wins this year. So it'll be interesting to see how this road environment affects them. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but at the beginning of this season, uh, Kirby said, we will not be hunted at the University of Georgia. We will be the hunters. And honestly, that was a little bit of prophecy because I think he's right. I mean, we are having to be the ones doing the hunting right now. I think Georgia was the easy favorite in the East to start the season. Uh, but then this fell beast rises from the shadow of the East. Sorry, I've been reading a lot of Lord of the Rings. Thanks for Rings beast. of Power. I like that. That's good. <laughs> and now all of, a, all of a sudden, uh, people are kind of scared and rightly so. Um, I think uh, we'll know. Here, here's, I, I think we're going to know about halfway through the first quarter if Georgia has a chance or not. If it's 14-0 Tennessee and Georgia's just gone three and out again, uh, I think Georgia's essentially done because I don't think we survive a, a shootout. I don't think that that's in, in the resume right now. Um, however, I will say we've been scoring a lot of points ourselves this year. So I, I do love the fact that all this hype seems to be centering around Tennessee's offense and people are very quiet about Georgia's offense. Um, I'm resigned. I've accepted the fact that there will be some big plays by Tennessee. I mean, that's just the, by default. I mean, it's just going to happen, right? Um, there's really no way around it. But if Georgia can get stops on defense, if they can get some stops on defense, I think we can actually use the tempo offense against Tennessee and tire their defense out. So currently Vegas, or at least the last time I looked, maybe it's changed since this afternoon, uh, Vegas has Georgia by eight and a half. Um, I expect that number to continue to drop throughout the week. I think it'll be a close one, but I'm hoping the fans can give us the edge. I'm going with UGA 42-38. Well, I Y'all, regardless, as someone who has no <coughs> dog in this fight, because y'all are both dogs, um, I'm just really happy that you both get Gary together. <laughs> yeah. just like together. Speaking, uh, yeah. speaking of spread, Wes, something I want to point out. Um, I've always been a big proponent of the spread. 
Yeah. And good teams beat other teams. Great teams beat the spread. Right. Um, and this season, Tennessee is seven and one against the spread. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I got a good feeling. I, I do not think feeling. that Georgia has fared that well. <laughs> Judging by the I, scores that I, I've seen. I am curious what Georgia looks like against the spread. Hold on a moment. Yeah, just uh, thinking of the scores in my head, I'm guessing it's not not even anywhere close to that. Probably not that. It's probably like mm, maybe like half of that. I would I'm say thinking. five they're, and three. They're four and four against right. the spread this season. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Well, um, either way, um, I, I think it'll be a good one. And uh, like I said, uh, looking forward to it. Um, all right. Let's talk about Liberty at seven and one at Arkansas five and three. It's not like we're talking about this giant, huge game, right? And then boo. All right. <laughs> at Arkansas five and three, four o'clock on the SEC network. Um, I don't really have any preview topics on this one. I don't know. Uh, I just think um, obviously Arkansas is expected to win, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Jesse, what is your prediction? How fun for Hugh Freeze to come to the SEC. Um, yeah, I mean, Arkansas should should take care of this one. I hope they're at home. It's a, a non-conference opponent, a less competitive opponent, regardless of what their record shows. So I'm picking the Razorbacks 31-14. All right, Matt. This is a seven and one Liberty team. Their only loss this season is a 37, 36 loss to ranked number 19 Wake Forest. Um, we know Hugh Freeze is a good football coach. Uh, he, he makes some questionable decisions when it comes to uh, uh, things phones. the cell phones. But um, I think this game's going to be a little bit closer than people are ready for. Uh, I think Arkansas probably got a little bit overinflated at the beginning of the season. We're starting to see that those, uh, Nicks in the armor, so to speak. So I think Liberty is going to give them a little bit of a scare, but Arkansas is going to come out on top. I'm going to say Arkansas wins this like 2010. I, I tend to kind of agree with you, Matt. Um, I think we see a close game at half, um, but then kind of depth becomes an issue for Liberty in the mm-hmm. second half. I got Arkansas uh, winning this one 38 to 24. Um, all right. Uh, next, Alabama, seven and one, four and one in the SEC at LSU. Uh, six and two, four and one in the SEC, seven o'clock on ESPN. Um, as I said before, just like as a fan of college football, right? Like what an awesome day of games with battle for the East at three 30 battle for the West, or at least one of them. Cause you know, potentially more, more battles for the West are, are forthcoming uh, at seven o'clock. So uh, Jesse, what are your thoughts? What is your prediction on Bama at LSU? I don't like playing in death Valley at night, but here we are. Um, yeah, this is going to be an exciting one. Like you said, it's one of the battles for the West because we can't uh, we can't count out Old Miss. But uh, this is this is going to be a good one. So I hope that Bama realizes where we are in the season that Bill O'Brien decides to show up for work and not be an idiot. Same with Pete Golding. And tell us I, how you really feel. <laughs> right, that was the tame version. I I took out some expletives, um, but I think the tide rolls into Baton Rouge, and I'm picking Bama 31 to 21. But I do think going into half, it's going to be a close one. All right, Matt, what do you what do you think? Uh, I think that this uh, Tennessee's played both these teams. Bama took Tennessee to the final second. LSU didn't really stand a chance against Tennessee, just based off of what I saw out of both, both those teams. I'm going to have to pick Bama. Uh, I think Bama wins this thing. It's wide open. Bama wins 34-20. I think this is where LSU gets thrown back out of the top 10 as far as CFP goes. Okay. Um, yeah, night night game at Death Valley. Um, I think this game is a little bit closer than people expect, maybe because of that. Um, 
expect the crowd to, to affect the game, I think. And uh, Bama commits a lot of penalties. We've seen that before where that can be a factor, especially in uh, hostile road situations. Uh, I think they overcome those, however, and won a close one. And Bama winning 31 to 24. All right, uh, next, South Carolina at 5-3, and 2-3 and three in the SEC at Vanderbilt, 3-5, and 0-4 oh in the SEC at 7.30 on SEC Network. Two teams that are hard to figure out. <laughs> uh, both teams uh, seem to be on the rise in their respective sense, with Carolina being further along on that ascent, I think. Uh, but they both seem to take unexpected steps back. Um, Jesse, what's your prediction for South Carolina at Vanderbilt? Honestly, I went back and forth on this one. Who could say? I mean, who could say? I'm going to pick the Gamecocks, but I'm not confident in this pick at all. But I'm going to pick them 28 to 21. But Vandy could very well win their first SEC game. Matt, I'm going to pick. You? I'm going to pick South Carolina. I think Vandy's got it. I think this is a Carolina team that did not look good last week. Um, I think they're still probably going to be trying to get over that A&M hangover. I like, I like Vanderbilt here. I think Vanderbilt wins 21, 20. All right. Um, yeah, I think this is one of those weird, <coughs> weird ones. It's like a quiet, a quiet night game in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, South Carolina they got to be careful not to underestimate Vandy, but I think, I think a loss last, last week will kind of help their focus a little bit. I'm going Let's see. I'm going to South Carolina. How about, let's see, 31-21. All right. And then finally, uh, Auburn at three and five, one and four in the SEC at Mississippi State, five and three, two and three in the SEC, uh, 7.30 on ESPN2. Um, So does Cadillac Williams get one of those feel-good wins, which by default means that Mike Leach manages to lose one of those games he should lose that we've kind of talked about before. also interesting undertones to this game as Mississippi State's AD was just hired away by Auburn. Uh, is he going to try to bring Leach over? I don't know. Jesse, what do you think? What are your predictions? Yeah, on this one, I think with all of the players kind of having what I assume their head out of the game, looking into the transfer portal, there's a lot of turmoil down on the plains right now. And it's in Starkville. So I'm going to pick Mississippi State on this one. I think they cruise on by Auburn 31 to 13. Okay. <clears throat> Matt, what do you got? Yeah, I um I don't see Auburn getting this one out. So you're gonna have Mississippi State winning. Uh I don't think the Mississippi State's gonna beat the spread though. Spread on this game right now is 13, and I just I don't see that happening. Um, so I'm gonna say Mississippi State wins 26-17. Okay. Um, so watch out for teams with interim head coaches that have nothing to lose. All right. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, um, I think Auburn's got their best game this season, which is just going to kind of funny. Uh, I think they're playing inspired football under Cadillac Williams and they get there, they get a win here, an unexpected win 28 to 24. So how could you not under someone named Cadillac? Right. Um, I don't know. So, uh, obviously we've talked about these, uh, What's the game to watch this week? What do you guys think? It's Georgia, Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I wasn't going to assume. I know, obviously, LSU, Bama is big. I understand. So. It is. It's a big one for the West. And as a Bama fan and as an LSU fan, you're you're keyed in on that one. But I think nationally, everyone's yeah. looking at Georgia, Tennessee, because mm-hmm. that is truly going to tell you who's number one. 
Yeah, and I think um, in in the poll that means nothing. I think uh, AP poll. This is only like the third time in the history of the AP poll. I think that um, teams one and two, and which in AP Georgia and Tennessee are one and two, have played each other. So that it just doesn't happen. Careful so. in those games; they will break your heart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. all right. Was well, there never cleared out the stadium as fast as I did on that one. Yeah, I could, I could imagine. So, um, all right. Well, hey, you know that does it for the upcoming games, and that does it for this episode. Because just talking about those things alone was enough to pack it full. Um, so. Um, if you guys would like to contact us, please do so. Uh, email us at pigskinsandpeasantry at gmail.com. We are at pigskinsandpeasantry on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. On Twitter, we are at PPSCC Podcast. Don't forget, we are available for download on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and other podcasting apps for iPhone, Android, and other operating systems. We're at uh, Amazon Music, uh, iHeartRadio, all that good stuff. Uh, please check us out. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review. Give us five stars. We'd love that. Increase our visibility. And uh, and we greatly appreciate that. So, hey, um, lots of really exciting games come up, uh, coming up. I'm excited for them. Yes, I am nervous as a Georgia fan, but also just as a college football fan, I'm excited to watch this weekend. So, hey, this is Wes. Until next time, go dogs. Y'all, we had a restful week, um, but let's honor our Lord and Savior, Nick Saban, after his birthday. And let's cruise on into Baton Rouge and beat those Tigers. Roll Tide. Lord, I see what other people have, and I want that for me. Um, <laughs> come on, Vols. We got to do this. It's it's the perfect opportunity. So go Tennessee. Hand it Heisman for Hooker. Or Hooker for Heisman. <laughs> I screw that. Hooker for Heisman. Oh, that's been a Hugh Freeze. Oh, gosh. I love it.